listening to The Breakfast Show with Blake and Mon this morning. morning. Good morning, Mon. How's it going? And Shanna over there on the production skill set with all the buttons. Mon, where, where's Lawson? Did I, you kick him out? I ate him. He was delicious. <laughs> he's, he's no longer with us now, apparently. <laughs> yeah, okay. no. Lawson, La- you know what? We need to keep Lawson in prayer this year because Lawson is doing something incredible. He is going back to school. So he's going to be studying theology to become officially Pastor Walters one day. Pastor Walters? I never even thought about <laughs> Doesn't that. Doesn't that make actually. you feel old, <laughs> thinking of Lawson as a pastor? Pastor Walters <laughs> does sound old, too. Do, it does. When I say Lawson, I'm fine. But when I say, like, Mr. Walters or Pastor Walters, <laughs> I'm like, oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. That's, that's, so he, um, Times are changing. He started school this week, and he has a meeting early in the morning, I think, to negotiate how he can do Terms. It. Yeah. What? Negotiate terms. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Literally, <laughs> like I'm going to give you a C. You will give me an A. No, he. I think he's trying to figure out how he can do radio and school at the same time. So let's keep him in prayer. Not just that he can continue being an excellent Faith FM host, but also he can get through his studies. So, yeah, for yeah. sure, absolutely. And mom, what are you thankful for this morning? Do you know what? It's a bit of a personal one, but I'm thankful for the fact that it's my birthday coming up at the end of this week, and um, I, I think I've looked at other women growing up and have always wondered why they've hated their birthdays and hated getting older and just sort of told myself I'm never going to be like that. And thankfully, so far it's working. Like I'm like fast approaching middle age and I'm still just loving getting older. You know how some people are like, I wish I was a kid again. I'm like, nah, I want to be an adult. I'm going to keep being an adult. I love all the benefits of being an adult. <laughs> what about you? What are you grateful for? Uh, there are so many things to be grateful for. But I think uh, one thing that I have just been grateful for recently uh is transportation having oh. my having a car yeah uh, i That's i just realized yeah i just realized like i i have not had it for a long time and now that i've had it, i look back and gone wow this is actually such a privilege to be mm-hmm. able to drive to and fro 100%. from the places i want to go when i want to go it's so true amazing you're listening to the breakfast show podcast on faith fm positively different i love Bluegrass reminds me of uh, Christmas mornings, actually. I know it sounds a little bit weird. but That we, is a weird comment. I know. We yeah. we always used to listen to Smoky Mountain Christmas every Christmas, <laughs> and uh, we my family used to listen to Bluegrass all the time growing up as a kid. We're on The Breakfast Show. It's Blake. It's Mon this morning. Mon, do you have some clues for us? Yes, I do. Before I hit you with a new clue, uh, quiz this morning, I'm going to tell you about our prize. So we are giving away another double it is Seven Deadly Relationship Sins. It's a DVD by Jennifer Jules and She's actually a personal friend of mine, so this is, and I know that she's a really, really great uh, counsellor. How do you say her last name? Because Lost and I were Schwerzer. like debating. Schwerzer. Schwerzer. Yeah, you got it. Perfect. That's what I, that's yeah, what I was yeah, yeah. saying. Yeah, so Jennifer Jules Schwerzer. Um, yeah, so this is a really good uh, DVD from her. Um, and also her book, 13 Weeks to Joy. She has a whole series, uh, 13 Weeks to Forgiveness and 13 Weeks to Something Else. But, yeah, this is she's one of my favorite writers, not just because I know her personally, but um, yeah, some of her books have really helped me. And so this is a really, really great uh, price this week. 13 Weeks to Joy, um, How to Hold the Happiness God Gives, a book by Jennifer Jules and Seven Daily Relationship Sins, Replace Destroying Behaviors with Strengthening Ones, a DVD by Jennifer Jules So that's our double prize. Uh, this week. But first, you have to be in it to win it. So get one question right, one one quiz right this week. There's a new one every week. Uh, the first question is worth 500 points and then it diminishes in in, uh, in 
in value as we go along. But do you know what? I think that's kind of silly because even though you, you like diminishes in value, you still get to in with a chance. Oh, 100%. It doesn't really make a difference. So, yeah, so just get one right. And, uh, of course, it's a little bit cryptic to begin with, but then the uh, the clues will get easier throughout the day. So what am I is our quiz this morning, and here's our first clue. By this type of covenant, God gave kingship to of Israel to David and his descendants forever. Wow, I butchered that a little bit. Let me do it again. What am I? By this type of covenant, God gave kingship of Israel to David and his descendants forever. I just want to let you know that's a really hard one because looking at the answer, I never, ever, ever would have gotten this. Yeah, I'm, I'm actually really struggling. It's, with yeah, that. it's so cryptic. It must be like some like little little tiny verse in the Bible that no one's ever heard of. Um, if you can get that one right, I'm going to be super impressed with you. Uh, but maybe wait a couple more clues so you don't get it wrong and get yourself out for the day. That is a tricky one. Uh, text us at 0491064669. Also, if you're listening from Gosford, just oh, want to hey, do a Gosford. shout out, Gosford, New That's South like Wales. Only an hour down the road from here. 87.6. You are listening to The Breakfast Show on Faith FM. Also, want to shout out to, uh, I'm going to say this wrong, but I just want to say it because it sounds awesome, but Rangaruma. Tasmania, 87.6. Sounds good to me. Sounds good? Sounds good. All right, shout out to Rangaruma uh, all the way down there in Tasmania. Sounds awesome. Mon, what's some good news for us? Yeah, so I've got some news regarding pantaloons. So, it turns what, what are pantaloons? It, pa- did you know the word pants is yeah. actually an abbreviation of the word pantaloon? No. Yeah. And I'm a little bit nervous. I don't want to wear them anymore. <laughs> I don't want to wear pantaloons. What are you going to wear instead? Skirts? Shorts. <laughs> shorts I got, I got, are, are... Are also a type of pantaloon. Well, I'm sorry to hit you with that. Shorts are pants... Uh, that, that are have, short. No, they've just gone through They've gone through some stuff. <laughs> yeah. They've, they've got a they little history. They seriously have yeah. gone through some stuff. But do you know what? I've got a pair of pants here that will help you if you are really going through some stuff. So a company has... Um, oh, by the way, do you, do you ever ride motorbikes? No, my daughter does. She's Serious? like super into motocross. Like, yeah, yeah wow. She was just riding on Sunday. But oh. I, I uh, don't. Yeah, same. But I have a motorcycle helmet. Oh. <laughs> that makes I, me cool. I don't think that counts, Blake. I think it does. I anyway. Feel, I feel cooler with it. Motorcyclists. You could tell, you should it's tell just you. for walking down the street. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Not for robbing banks or anything. No. Well, your daughter's going to love this because motorcyclists can soon be safer thanks to a company that has produced the world's first airbag suit. So this is basically uh, a pair of airbag jeans that inflate before impact to protect during accidents. I'm going to show you a picture. I actually thought that was some <laughs> <laughs> I know, right? That's exactly right. The action I had. It what? Is <laughs> the person is wearing that a, a real thing? Yeah, that's a real thing. I thought it was a distorted image at first, but it's just basically just a, a guy wearing a pair of jeans, and then suddenly they're inflated and looks <laughs> like he's got a huge like a marshmallow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, marshmallows down his pants. Yeah. Um, so, but this is actually really cool because you know my brother is an emergency room nurse, and I've been friends with several emergency room nurses over the years, and they always tell me, Monica, don't ever get on a motorcycle. Because when the motorcycle um, crash victims come in, they're basically just putting scraps back together of a human and it never, doesn't really work all the time. So very, very deadly uh, thing to do. Um, but this is great. I think this is a good step forward because people are obviously not, not going to stop wearing, uh, riding motorbikes. But these pants are made from like the strongest denim on the planet and they're even more unique um, 
with these small CO2 cartridges and they activate whenever the rider falls from their bike. So it has like a trigger mechanism. It's tethered. Uh, it's a tether connecting to the, the genes to the actual motorcycle itself. So they're like tied to the, to the bike. And uh, when the equivalent of a road accident occurs, a tether creates a puncture in the cartridges that inflates the airbags. So if the rider is f- thrown from the bike, a protective air cushion is instantly deployed. And afterwards, the CO2 cartridges are actually replaceable. So it's not like a one-time wear. I mean, unless you... I, I guarantee you. It's gonna I be- guarantee you. <laughs> you get thrown from a bike. <laughs> it's a one-time. That's a one-time deal. <laughs> yeah. But do, do you know what? Hey, if they save your life, it's, it's worth buying a new pair every time. Um, True. So, yeah. So while the airbag handles the impact forces, the single-layer denim fabric, which is actually called Armalith... It handles the abrasion forces. So it's like a double thing. It's like, it's got like the cushioning and it's got like a protective, um, layer of to, to, you know, when, you, when they skid across the ground. And it's well, that's what I'm just yeah. thinking like. That's what they, that's why you have to wear your motorcycle leathers every single time. They say, even if you just go around the shops, you know, around the corner, stick your leathers on. You just never know. I don't think anyone in Thailand got that memo. Yeah. <laughs> Because when I was in in Thailand, it was like, yeah, flip-flops were the safety boots. (laughs) You know, most people were just barefoot and with shorts. So true. And I was just like, that's a little bit wild. So this has been done by a Swedish company called Airbag Inside. And um, they've tested these, they call them MoCycle brand jeans, uh, up to speeds of 70 kilometers an hour. So that's 45 miles per hour, which is which is actually really decent. But let's face it, most motorcyclists love to... Go like 245 yep, kilometers yep. an hour. So <laughs> Faster than a, than, a, than a speed camera can catch them. Um, so yeah, so this is, uh, there's a little picture of for you of a guy skidding along the ground you can see his pants have um, um inflated. inflated so he's uh yeah so it reduces the risk of injuries they're as comfortable as any pants and they claim that they are 100 percent reusable i think they would be more comfortable than any pants <laughs> they're made out of marshmallows true. so <laughs> yeah definitely marshmallow more comfortable pants. hey i've got one more piece of good news just really quickly this is something that's really been warming my heart because I have been so upset with big businesses who made a mozza of cash over um, the the COVID pandemic. You know, places like you know, like Woolies, who is now like unnecessarily hiking up their food prices, even though they've made an absolute mint over the pandemic. Um, you know, these these mega stores who are claiming that they got hit bad, but we know by looking at their year over year profit um, reports, they actually made more money than they ever have in the entire history of their existence. There's one that's impressing me. It's Home Depot. Home Depot is, is basically America's Bunnings. And, uh, and the guy who owns it, he has said repeatedly, he's a 94-year-old uh, company co-founder, Bernie Marcus. He has been saying for years that before he dies, he wants to give all his wealth to charity. And he's already started by um, investing an additional $1 billion US dollars in wage increases for its, um, for its hourly staff. So, which is which is huge because you rarely ever hear of these big because these big big stores they often, you know, one of the ways they make their profit is they cut as many you know corners as they can. One of them is by paying their 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 workers peanuts. Um, but they've decided to go the other way around. They said, you know, we've made so much money. Everyone was doing home reno during during uh, COVID. We were all at home fixing up something in our house, and uh, and so they made a massive amount of profit. 
and they said instead of pretending that we have a problem and uh, and that we were hit hard, we're actually going to take all this extra money. And it's, they've done that for the second year in a row. They did this last year. They added a billion, and this year they're adding a billion. My uh, my mom's boyfriend actually works at Home she, Depot. Yeah, yeah. So that's really I'm going to cool. have him take me out to lunch yeah <laughs> uh, when i go back to the states because i know he got a pay raise yeah but this this is a smart <laughs> business move because you know move because with better wages they can actually attract and retrain like the best talent in the business so yeah it's a win-win for all really so yeah good on them for doing the right thing and investing in their staff you're listening to the breakfast show podcast on faith fm positively different Good morning. You're listening to The Breakfast Show with Blake and Mon this morning. And we are about to dive into another clue for you. What am I? After Abimelech, son of Jerub... Jerub... Wow, if I had read these clues ahead of time, I would not have picked this one. After Abimelech, son of Jerubal captured Shechem and killed its people, he destroyed the city and sprinkled this over it. Mmm. Don't say anything, Blake. I can see your cogs turning there. I'm going to try this again. What am I? After Abimelech, son of Jerubal, Baal, captured Shechem and killed its people, he destroyed the city and sprinkled this over it. The city, oh. the city, the city was spelled S H E, like she, and then C H E M, Chem, She Chem, Shechem, Shechem. That's where we are. Yeah, Shechem. Yeah, just in case I'm pronouncing that wrong. So yeah, give us a call zero four nine one zero six four six six nine. What was sprinkled over a destroyed city? Cinnamon. <laughs> stop! Stop! <laughs> just stop, Blake. No, I know. So I think th- I know the answer. Okay, actually. okay, good. I, I, just, <laughs> I don't want you to think like it could never be the answer. So I'll say it, and then it actually is the answer. No, I think I oh, actually do know the answer. On I could that. really go some cinnamon buns right now. <laughs> Those are my favorite thing, actually. What? We, are you yeah, serious? Cinnamon rolls are my number one favorite. You dessert. know that I make the best cinnamon rolls ever. I'm. I'm definitely willing to take the challenge of testing those for you. You come to RTM, <laughs> book in a Tuesday, and I will bake cinnamon rolls for everyone Sounds on the premises. Good. Okay. And by everyone, uh, can I just eat them all? <laughs> yeah. Only if you agree. Like, can that- we bake them for them, but then I'll <laughs> yeah. eat them? Only if you agree that at the end you attest that these are indeed the best cinnamon rolls you've ever had in your life. Only if they are. Okay. i got to test them out. All right, deal. I cannot deal. lie about cinnamon rolls. It's, <laughs> okay. It's just I'm, I'm confident that I will smash okay. your expectations. I'm ready. Okay. <laughs> I'm ready. Uh, I have some news. Uh, it's pretty wild, mm. on, honestly. Uh, yesterday we talked about um, some kidnapping that took place in Papua New Guinea. Oh, yeah. Uh, and Bryce Barker, he got back and things are good. Here's another kidnapping that happened. No. But this is like a kidnapping scam. Okay, it didn't quite happen. It almost happened. So uh, police in Uganda, they've actually arrested two people in connection with kidnapping, get this, 40 Christian children lured by a Muslim posing as the leader of a Christian charity offering free education. So essentially what happened is uh, this uh, individual, uh, his name was Saraji Sabiri. He's a Muslim. He, under the false promise of school scholarships had lured 40 kids to a hotel where he was going to put them onto a bus. And the way that they were lured was basically he's saying, I have a Christian school that you can go to and get a free education because we're doing scholarships. But there was a pastor in the area that heard about this and went, 
hold on, because the school was, quote, in the Luero district, uh, which is in central Uganda, and Sabiri, who was a resident of this district near Luero, the church organization knew this district really well, and we're like, there's no school there. This doesn't make any sense. Yeah, wow. Like, what are you talking about, right? So he goes to investigate, but can't really get in. Mm-hmm. And he's realizing that there's kids in this hotel or in this spot that, that he can't get to. So he calls the police. And the police, they storm the castle. Uh, and they find essentially age, you know, 40 children, ages 5 to 16. Oh. They've been booked to actually go on a bus to the Democratic the Democratic Republic of Congo. No. Right? And so inter- like intense interrogations revealed uh, that Sabiri, he's not even a Christian. He was actually a Muslim, and he was under the false pretense. Uh, he had disguised himself as a Christian, they say, and hence he was able to register over 40 children in the name of offering them bursaries, yet with the intention of selling them to the ADF, the Allied Democratic Forces in Congo, which is Wild. It was like child soldiers, basically. Basically, yeah. yeah. So they brainwash them and yeah, I mean, expose them to horrific things. To just a, a terrible thought. But thankfully, uh, there was some people who went, mm, "This is a little fishy. This mm-hmm. is not right." And they stormed and got them. You know, and good on those people who act on those instincts. Like when they feel that leading that something is not right, and they act upon it. Like oh, forty kids just being stolen <laughs> for that purpose. It's disgusting. The uh, the pastor said, had the abduction succeeded, the effect on the church and local community would have been devastating. And then he says, I appeal to the whole body of Christ in Uganda to be vigilant towards strangers who come in the name of helping children. Uh, he said, we thank God for rescuing our children. You know, And this is interesting. This abduction attempt was the latest of many instances of persecution of Christians in Uganda. Uh, that have been documented of, of recent times. Uh, Uganda's constitution and other laws provide for religious freedom, including the right of, uh, to propagate one's faith and convert from one faith, faith to another. However, Muslims uh, make up no more than 12% of Uganda's population with high concentrations in the eastern areas of the country. So you're allowed to be any religion which you want. And and to be honest, as a, on Faith FM, I would say, that's how life should be. Mm-hmm. You know, and I, I know this is going to be maybe controversial, but if a person wants to be atheist, you should have the right to be atheist. Yeah, 100%. If you want to uh, pray to Buddha, you should have the right to pray to Buddha. Mm-hmm. You should have, if you want to be a Jew, you can be a Jew yeah. uh, or Muslim or whatever it is because the freedom for all religions is the freedom for Christian religion as well too. Yeah. So I think each it, when it comes to religion and faith, each person should have the right to have the freedom of conscience to choose what they believe mm-hmm. and with the convictions of their own heart, which means we have to allow other people yeah. to believe what they want to believe yeah. as well, too. Now, as long as you're not kidnapping kids mm-hmm. and selling them to the Democratic Army, yeah. uh, the ADF it's in way the Congo. The in, yeah, in the yeah. Congo. So. For anywhere, like, I mean, mm-hmm. trying to get kids from Uganda to sell them to the Congos, that's awful, right? Uh, I, I mean, we, we have to be very diligent. I kind of look at my role as a pastor. Uh, I've, I've always thought about this. Um, this is from, uh, it's actually 
kind of an interesting thought. There was a book called American Sniper, which has a lot of interesting... I know it sounds weird, like when you hear the... Chris, Chris Kyle. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Chris Kyle, right? He has this concept of being sheepdogs, mm-hmm. right? So as I believe God is the good shepherd, and he calls his sheep to follow him. And then there's wolves out there. And there's wolves in sheep's clothing as well, too, which are the more dangerous wolves, the ones who are pretending to be Christian, but actually... Mm-hmm abducting 40 children to send them off to be child slaves, then you have what I consider myself to be is a sheepdog, mm-hmm. right? Uh, the ones who follow the good shepherd, right? Because I'm not a shepherd. I'm not a pastor. I mean, like the real true pastor mm-hmm. is, is Jesus. Mm-hmm. But as a sheepdog, we have a responsibility to keep the flock safe mm-hmm. and to protect from wolves out and from wolves within as well, too. And that means having difficult conversations and confronting difficult things at times. And this is one of those ones that needs to be addressed. Yeah. Now, other things that are happening in the world as well, too. Uh, there was a Sunday worship service in Surabaya, Indonesia, that was broken up by a local official uh, in what essentially became a mob intrusion, right? So essentially they were having, there was a, a Christian worship service that was taking place. And then the local official storms in, he pushes the pastor down uh, and then goes up to the front of the congregation and kind of like symbolically shows with his hand, this thing is over. Like put, like putting Mm -hmm. his hand on his neck saying, cut it off. We're all done. And then the church members and leaders were like begging, like, hey, no, this is a house of God. Like, we're only praying. And he goes, no, you're, you know, he called them stupid. You can see on the on the video. And then he grabs the pastor by the throat and like chokes him in front of everyone and basically just stops this this worship from taking place and, and starts throwing everyone else. Then brings in a group of other people as well too and they try to weld the gate shut so that they can't worship freely anymore and i just i think you know we are running out of time here this morning but i think it's important for us to remember like the things of the world go against the things of god and when we see this kind of persecution happening we need to be praying for our brothers and sisters all around the world who are suffering for persecution Uh, a really great organization Voice of the Martyrs. We have uh, Anthony who comes on every now and then to tell us what's happening in the world. And as Christians, we need to be aware of the persecution that's happening because uh, the freedom of religion isn't free. And we need to be praying that God is allowing people to choose to follow him. This is Noema Moore on The Breakfast Show. He can, and God can, set you free. Lord, you are my shelter. If in faith I seek, you do so much for me, but I won't let You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different.
he can right here on the breakfast show with blake and mon shanna on the buttons behind the scenes making it happen while she's chowing on a little cracker actually it's a it's a, it's a good looking cracker actually oh, i don't want to look at it i'll get hungry i i know i i think that's why i'm looking at it i'm just like i want a cracker like Especially that after that conversation about cinnamon rolls Oof. good times mm. i oh man now my mouth is watering Mm-hmm. But you know what I need instead of a cinnamon roll or a cracker is and, a quiz clue. Yeah, I was going to say new for the quiz. What am I? A poison spring was healed when Elijah put this in it. 0491 oh. <clears throat> A poisoned spring was healed when Elijah put what in it? Hmm. Is anyone beginning it right? Oh yeah, we. I have a look on. I haven't checked right now. Okay, let me let okay. me check in a little bit. Yeah. So what can they win? They can win the double prize. It is a book and DVD set from Jennifer Jill Schwerzer. She is an Adventist um, counselor. Uh, Seven Deadly Relationship Sins, a DVD about replacing destroying destructive ha- uh, behaviors with strengthening ones, and the book Thirteen Weeks to Joy: How to Hold the Happiness God Gives. So yeah, really great set. Um, yeah, really great uh, for your relationships, for your mental health. Um, give us a uh, text or a call and try and get in one of the quizzes this week and uh, and you'll be in the hot draw on Friday when we draw the prize and see who won that. And, of course, you can answer multiple times and get multiple draws in. So Sounds good. Anyone getting it right? Yeah, there are a few people who have gotten them. it right. Good yes, on them. And there, some of the answers are actually quite funny yeah, as well, too. So I'm, I'm excited about that. <laughs> okay, cool. uh, but we can't reveal those just yet, but we will. Uh, we have with us on the radio live is Pastor Joseph Scaff, all the way from Brazil, but lives here now in Australia. Joseph, how are you doing? 
Hey, hello, Blake. Hi, Mon. It's good How's to, it going, have, Joseph? Uh, good to be with you. Excellent. Hey, uh, Joseph, we're here uh, in the studio. Uh, you aren't. You're not with us, but you're here on the phone with us. But we. Ha- I want to have a conversation this morning about kind of what you do, your role here at the North New South Wales uh, Department, uh, the conference office here, but really specifically about church planting. So you are the yeah. church. You do a lot of things, but one of the jobs that you do is the church planting coordinator. For our or church planning director, I think it is uh, for the conference. And there's about, if I'm not mistaken, there's about 90 plus churches in this whole conference. And you kind of organize the new church plants uh, that come about uh, through through this conference. So, kind of walk us through that and help us to understand what it is that you do. Yes. Oh, absolutely. That'll be my pleasure. Thank you for uh, giving me the opportunity to share. So, one of um, you know. Jesus says, you know, to his disciples, you know, uh, go and make disciples, multiply. In the beginning, God said uh, to Adam and Eve, you know, uh, be fruitful, multiply. It, it is in the heart of God that the, the family, that his family, you know, the, the family of heaven, it increases, it expands. Um, and one of the ways of doing this is, is by making disciples. So these disciples, when they go to a new place, where there's no currently a family of God, you know, sitting there and worshiping together. Well, what do they do? They they start one, and as they start one, that became that becomes you know viral, and that becomes contagious in the in the good sense. And more people started to come and being added to the faith and being added to the family of God. So church planting is basically the out the, the most amazing visible outworking of God's command and promise that his family would uh, multiply and increase. Okay. So if someone wanted to get involved in this family increasing the, you know, God's family increasing, like where would be the first place they would start? Look, that is a great question. Uh, Like in our conference, there's many ways to get involved. Number one uh, there, you know, you can just, you know, go and chat with, you know, if you know where your local church plant is, you can go and chat with them or you can even call the conference and say, hey, you know, I would like to be a part of a church plant. You know, what's the nearest church plant to me? Or perhaps if God has placed a burden for you to be involved in a new church plant in a location that there is no church plant, you can also give a call and say, hey, you know, I have a, a burden to reach out that in that community. You know, what can we do? And, you know, uh, here in the conference, we're going to say, well, that's amazing. Let's let's pray and let's see if there are other people that are uh, also wanting to get involved with you in establishing a new church in that location. And they can look up all kinds of things. You know, we have church plants that meet in homes, in houses. We have church plants that meet in uh, clinics. We have church plants that meet in uh, community centers, uh, in, in other ch- that, uh, church plants that meet in churches that they rent out. So really the, the, the sky's the limit here. It's where, wherever God leads. So if you want to get involved with church planting, uh, just talk to your pastor. Talk to your pastor, talk to the conference, talk to someone, or even just talk to God and you know, go ahead and face. Uh, church planting, I like to say, is like the extreme sports of Christianity. There's, you know, it's being in the frontiers of mission always carries with it some, of course, uh, responsibilities. You know, everybody needs to get involved. You cannot plant a church by just sitting down back the pew and just, you know, enjoying the sermon. Everybody needs to be doing something. But at the same time, when you are in that frontiers of, of mission in whatever the city you are, you actually start seeing so much more 
of God's miracles that is, you know, uh, a massive fuel boost of energy to any person's faith. So I highly recommend it. A lot of people also, I believe, think, oh, there's enough churches around. I, I We don't need a new church. Like I've, I know that there's one like, you know, 50 kilometers away. It's close enough. Like there's enough churches around. Uh, but there has been some research, and maybe you know more about this than I do, but it basically talks about how it's very viable to have uh, the, even conservative reports are one church for every 25,000 people and uh, in other places, you could have one church for every 10,000 people. And so in a population area that has, you know, a rough amount of, you know, that many people, but there's no church, it's kind of a, a great starting place for starting a church plant. And so a lot, you know, from what I have experienced in the church planting world is like, why do we need another church? You know, it's like, well, because there's people who have not been reached uh, in your circle of influence, in your community, uh, with a population between ten to twenty-five thousand people, like there's room for another church for sure. Oh yes, absolutely. Uh, but you know, here in the department, we we look with this. We we look uh, at this with this the statistic that you mentioned, the second number: one church per every ten thousand people. That's roughly one church per. Suburb roundabout, you can have. We actually have churches in a lot of churches in in cities that are smaller than ten thousand people. They are naturally a little bit smaller of a churches. So I would say that you can have a smaller church, maybe twenty five, you know, uh, people coming and worshiping in a in a town of let's say five thousand people. Uh, but the reality is, you know, people ask why should we have more churches? You know, aren't the ones that we have enough? And absolutely, no, the, the reason is absolutely no. Um, the answer to that, because Jesus says, you know, go and reach every tribe, tongue, and people. You know, every tribe, every family group, every ethnic group, every suburb. Everybody has the right to get to know Jesus and to be, you know, an heir of salvation and be a part of the church community. Um, you know, so, so they don't have an idea. You know, uh, here in Newcastle area, we, you know, Newcastle, Lake Macquarie area, we have about uh, 400, 500,000 people. Um, and we have round about, I would say, 20, 25 churches. Uh, so you could easily double that. You know, could easily have another 25 churches being planted. And we will still be only scratching the one per 10,000 people. Yeah. You know, one, one of my friends who's a church planter, he used to say, you know, when people ask, you know, why should we have more church plants? It's the same thing if we come to our families and say, you know, why do we need to have more kids? Why do we need to have more children? You know, why do we need to get pregnant? It's, yeah, look, it's important that we have grandparents and grandmas too. But look, you know, it's fun to make kids and, you know, it's, it's time to have them around, you know, if you know what I mean? So just, Planning churches is like having you, you know, babies from a spiritual sense. For sure. And uh, I, I I love what you were saying before there about some different cultural ideas there. I, I have, you know, recently been trying to learn some Portuguese, trying to learn some uh, Brazilian culture stuff. And I have just thought about, you know, there are a lot of different ethnic groups uh, in Australia that are maybe not English speaking first. You know, before I used to think like, ah, everyone speaks English in Australia, but it's not actually the case. There are a lot of uh, Asian groups as well too. We at the Newcastle Uni Church, there's quite a few different uh, Asian uh, popular, like a huge Asian population at Newcastle Uni as well too. And 
what are your thoughts about like church plants that kind of cater to those who have just come into the country? They're just kind of fresh, just kind of new. Uh, can you plant a church like that, or does it have to be English-speaking in an English-speaking country? No, absolutely. Look, the, fa- the family of God, you know, the citizenship of the kingdom of heaven transcends all barriers of nationality. Uh, that being said, you know, it's, uh, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't even say that it's just for people that just arrived in the country, but I would say that, you know, it is a little bit different when you are, you know, worshiping with people of the same culture. You know, you're talking the same language, you know, you're sharing about the same food, you're having that sort of a nostalgia of your, of your home country, you know. So I think that it's absolutely perfect and reasonable, you know, for church plants to be focusing on one specific group of people and that specific that that specific group of people could either be some kind of a demographic type it could be you know churches aimed at you know single mothers or you know that are catering specifically for them or uh or university students or you know young parents or elderly people uh of course every church is welcome to everyone um you know so all churches need to have provision so that everybody will be welcome but at the same time it's actually great when a church plan that is starting can actually really serve the needs of a certain community uh, that makes it more, you know, efficient, more effective, more, you know, a, a greater pleasure to uh, to worship in and to a greater, a better experience to those who are participating. And finding an ethnic group, it's no difference. We have, you know, a Polish church. We have uh, Samoan churches. We, we, you know, we could have, who knows, you know, a Brazilian, you know, Portuguese-speaking church. Uh, and I think that it's absolutely amazing if that can happen. Uh, and if that's in, in the heart of, you know, a church planting team. With those, with those kind of churches though, like are people who are non Polish or non Simone or non Brazilian, could they still come? Look, there's, of course, there's different kinds. So there's some churches where, uh, for example, we have a church plant, uh, in a meeting in Blue Haven in the central coast and they, uh, their main focus, you know, they're, they're, you know, they're focusing to serve the needs of the Samoan population. That being said, uh, they also, you know, welcome people that don't speak any someone at all like myself. So, for example, what would, what would they do different? You know, if they're during their Bible study time, they're going to have a Bible study time in, in English or class in English, but also a class in Samoan. Right. You know, during the worship service, they, they would have a, um, uh, you know, the, the preaching would be in English. But some of their worship songs would be in Samoan. You know, they would have a prayer in English and praise so on. So everybody's welcome, but they they will have that Samoan flavor. When it comes to food and hospitality, you know, Samoan style. Yeah. So uh, delicious. you can have that. You can have that. Uh you, you can, you know, these day and age you can also you can always cater for so for example, in my I am starting a church plant as well here in Cardiff. You know, it's only small uh church plant located uh in uh, Atune Health Centers, you know, next to food pharmacy. Uh at the moment we even though we are a multi you know, ethnic group, we do everything in English. However, uh, you know, I believe that we have space, for example, to create one of one small, you know, uh, group Bible study in Portuguese, for example. Right, right. Um, you know, so uh, that's absolutely a possibility. Everybody's welcome in every church. Um, and that's how it should be. And yes, but if you can also worship God in your mother language, I think that's, that can be a bonus. I love what you said as well, too, uh, the, the flavor. Like different churches, different church plants provide different flavors. And I know that when I go to, you know, a new city or a new uh, place, I love to go to where the street food is. And you can have mm. a choice 
of all these different kind of flavors as well too that kind of you know some of it is that home cooking that that helps you you know reminds you of home and gives you that kind of the feel that nothing else can really do so the same is uh with church planting i think it's also good to have lots of different types of churches to cater to lots of different types of people uh so that the the best opportunity for individuals to come and have a personal relationship with Jesus is possible. Yeah, so I agree. And look, I think that um, in you know, a mature Christian, they would be a part of a local church, irrespective of flavor. It's like you know, an adult. I know you can eat everything. You can eat your veggies. You can eat your meat. You can eat your potatoes. You can eat like you're happy. You know, you're you're after the nutrition. So for a mature Christian, you know, you know, I'm an you know, if I'm Australian and there is like a Polish church plant next to me. I'm going to go there and help them anyway, because this is the kingdom of God. Right, that right, being right. said, sometimes for the seeker, for the person that is coming to the faith, and there's so many barriers that Satan has put between them and, and the church, it's actually very, very helpful if the church can facilitate that process and make it less intimidating, so to speak, or, or more attractive uh, to them. The same way that with kids, you, you also want to prepare the food, you know, in a bit more attractive way. My kids don't, you know, they had a, you know, they, 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 they uh, had a, it took a while to start enjoying eating leaves, like spinach, for example. <laughs> so what I, would, what I would do with them in the beginning, I'll just like grab a whole bunch of spinach. I'll just kind of throw in a bit of a in the uh, in the uh, pasta sauce that I'm doing. I would just kind of blend it all in, and then it became kind of a green. The kids found it fun. They would eat it. They were having these all these kind of spinach nutrition without eating the necessary spinach. But that was when they were young, because at some point they were just eating. You no, know, I want them to eat the actual spinach so uh yes i think that the flavor is very interesting it's as attractive is great but i wouldn't say that for a mature christian to decide on a church based on a flavor rather to decide on going to the church based on where is the greatest need around me which church needs more and number two which church actually would need the gifts and talents that i particularly bring um, I love know, that. that. So those are better. Yeah, so church. someone coming to church for the first time, you know, uh, as a seeker, uh, provide as many opportunities as possible. But for those who have a walk with God to follow uh, and to do their Christian duty of worshiping. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.